Are you a true believer? We've already dared to believe that God sent Jesus to save us. Many people in this room today are followers of Christ for that very reason. We believe he's our Savior. We have dared to believe that God has a plan for our lives. And he's working out that plan, and we're cooperating with that plan. We're listening. We're growing. We're being fed. We're being guided. This morning, I want to dare you to believe that there is always hope. I dare you to believe that there is hope in God, no matter what may happen here to you in this life. God's promise of hope is great news in a world like the one we live in, isn't it? We see so much hopelessness. We see all around us rampant hopelessness, fear. Uh, we see despair. Uh, a lot of people are just kind of, you know, giving up. Think about the people in war-torn lands like Syria or Afghanistan or Iraq. We see their disheartening plight on the news every day. Think about the millions of refugees that are fleeing any number of countries, facing in their new countries hardly any better choices than they had in the old one that they left. Hopelessness, we see it everywhere. Even, even in our own country, in our own country where we have a much greater opportunity for peace and safety than many places in this world, we feel a growing sense of hopelessness, don't we? People are just being hammered every day and kind of beaten down by news and by panic and fear. There's a threat of terrorism, the fear that we may even have for our own child's safety at school of all places. The strain and the stress of daily life, uh, tragedies, illnesses, yet to be determined. You know, it, you know we think, when is it going to be my turn to go through this? A mountain of financial worries that people see. All of these things just kind of create a feeling of despair and hopelessness. Can we really dare to believe that there is always hope? Do you remember the news photograph a couple of years ago of that little boy from Syria who had drowned with his family? Remember that picture of that little boy laying there face down on the shores, been washed up on the beach? It was a horrible picture. I don't think I will ever get that picture out of my mind. I, I think that will always be there. About that same time, Another news story broke out about a baby girl born to a refugee mom in a subway station in Budapest. The article was called, They Named Baby Hope, But Hope's in Short Supply. Well, at that time, about 2,000 refugees were crowded in and around the main railway station in Budapest, desperate to find a new place to go. You know, they, they got out of their country of Syria, which was torn up, and many people dying, they left, and now they're in Budapest trying to figure out where someone may allow them to go. Part of this humanitarian crisis is continuing to this day in Europe and, and, and in so many different places. These Syrian refugees had just left home only days before, and they had nowhere to go. And now this woman, who is a widow, her husband has died somehow in Syria, she's in this country ready to give birth to her child, and she's in the subway, this dirty, filthy subway station. Well, they called for an ambulance, but an ambulance refused to take her anywhere because she was not documented. She didn't have any reason to be there, except she had nowhere else to go. 
And she gave birth to that little girl right there in the subway station. All around her were scenes of despair, but she named her baby Hope. Actually, she named her name, her name was Shems, which means sunshine and hope. It was almost as if she knew somehow that that baby was going to bring her good things. In spite of the unsanitary, undesirable place to give birth, mother and daughter were doing well within just a few days. They had been given permission, when people heard her story, given permission to board a train for Germany where they could receive proper medical care. That baby was her ticket to a new future. And the mother and her newborn daughter went on to start their new life in Europe, while many others languished in the train station for weeks and months. The reporter concluded, Budapest has failed many times to provide a brighter future for the 300,000 refugees who have flooded into the city. But for baby hope, there is a glimmer of hope. Perhaps her and her young mother will make it after all. What is hopelessness? What does it mean to be hopeless? Well, the dictionary has three main definitions. One is having no expectation of good results or success. Not very hopeful. One is not susceptible to remedy or cure. Don't look for anything better to happen. And one is incapable of redemption. Incapable of improvement. People feel hopeless. Do you ever feel hopeless? Do you feel sometimes that you've run into a brick wall and can't go on? If you are a child of God, you shouldn't feel that way. And you should know that there's someone powerful enough to help you in that situation who will never leave you. Last week we agreed that God has a plan, that God has a purpose for our lives. The Bible promises us in Romans 8:28, very powerful verse you need to know, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who have been called who love God and have been called according to his purpose. We are assured that God has a plan and that God is continuing to work that plan. And when that plan is on us, when God is on us, then there is always a reason for hope. Because there's always plans still being worked out. Now, you may go through a low point. You may go through a valley. You may not always live on the mountaintop. You may not always live in the best of circumstances. But God's plan is still there. And God's plan is still in effect. And he will work out that plan if we allow him to do so. If we dare to believe that, then we can have confidence that there is always hope. Because God will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible says that. Hebrews. 13.5, the writer of Hebrews is actually quoting Joshua, who spoke it originally back in Deuteronomy 31.6, when Joshua is taking over the leadership of the Israelites, and Moses has died, and he's saying to the people, come on, we're going to do this, we're going to make this, we're going to make this happen, we're going to go into the promised land, and we're going to, to uh, accept the inheritance that God is offering us. And he says to them, you know, we follow God, and God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. That promise from God held true in Joshua's day, and it is held true for every believer from that day until today, that God will always be with us, whatever our circumstances. You believe that? And I get your amen today. Not someone else's amen, but your amen. Will you buy into that? Will you say, I dare to believe 
that God will never forsake me, that God will never leave me. For God is our hope. God is our hope. We can hold on to hope because God is our hope. And you hold on to God, you're holding on to hope. Hebrews 6, 19 is a wonderful verse, says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. The hope that the Bible's talking about here as you read through Hebrews 6 is God and the certainty of his promises. Our hope in God is an anchor holding us fast and secure in the storms of life. Is God your anchor and mine? Now, the history of anchors dates back thousands of years. I did a little research into this, and I look back to when people first started using anchors. Well, they, they did things like they found a big rock, they tied a rope to it, and they threw it in. Hopefully, the rope was long enough to get to the bottom, and it kept their boat secure while they fished or whatever they need to do. Sometimes they get a bag, and they put a bunch of rocks in or a bunch of sand in it. They tie it up, they put it on the rope, and then they use that as an anchor. The ancient Greeks even took wooden logs, and they filled them with lead. So they would you know, go to the bottom and just the weight would keep them from moving. Eventually, shipmen began making anchors from iron. And then teeth were added to them so that they would you know, catch the ground with firmer grip. Every ship today has anchors. Several anchors. The largest of which I learned is called the sheet anchor. Only used in extreme danger. It's also called the sacra, which means... The last refuge. <laughs> and I thought, isn't this a picture of God as our last refuge? If all else fails, hang on to God, and he is our anchor. There are anchors, and then there are anchors, right? Some of them hold fast, some do not. Some simply don't work. I remember as a boy, we went to a cabin for a week. My parents rented a cabin. It was on a lake up in Minnesota, and it included a boat. It was even one with a motor, and I, you know, I thought, man, this is, this is like really living it up. Nothing like vacations people take today. It was very simple, but we got up, and we stayed in the cabin. We got in the boat, and we'd go out there, and we'd go fishing, and the wind would be blowing across there, so we'd throw out the anchor so we could stay in this favorite fishing hole. You know, you knew the fish are here. We're catching fish here. Let's stay here and catch as many as we can, and they had the dumbest little anchor for that boat. This thing didn't have any teeth on it. It was kind of lightweight, and it was round. It didn't catch on anything. You know, I, I don't even understand what the point of it was. If it was perfectly calm, you'd stay where you were. But you'd do that without an anchor. And so they put this anchor in there, and we would throw it in in our fishing spot, and then the wind would push us across. It would start at the motor, go back to the fishing spot, drag it across the lake. All we were doing was dragging the anchor around the lake. That's pretty much what we were doing. It was the most useless thing ever created, I imagine. When you're talking about your life, what kind of anchor do you want? Do you want that kind of an anchor? Or do you want one that will hold you fast, hold you secure, and really be your last refuge against the storms of life? So what do you hold on to? What do you count on to hold you safe and secure in life? I hold on to God because he will never fail us. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises is faithful. Romans 15.13 is really our text for today. It's one of my favorite verses about hope. And so I immediately gravitated toward that. If you've received an email from me, often you've probably seen that as a little signature at the end. Romans 15.13. 
And I want to use that because our church is called New Hope Christian Church, but also because I think people need hope. And it says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can dare to believe that there is always hope when your hope is in God. And the God of hope, when you trust him, will fill you with joy and peace. And he will make us overflow with hope. So that no circumstance, no situation will set us back. Nothing that we face in this life will help us, make us give up hope. But rather we will hold on to God and find him always faithful. You want joy and peace in your life? I think everybody does. Well then put your hope in Christ. And you will have joy and peace. Because God will never fail us. Hope is one of the key words in the book of Romans. I don't know if you've studied Romans very much, but you see many references to the uh, idea of hope there. Paul refers to hope often. I think this was a very big theme in his heart, in his life. Uh, let me give you a couple examples. Romans 4.18 says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. I, I really like that. Against all hope, he still believed in hope. <laughs> and And... Romans 8, 24, 25 says, For in this hope we were saved. If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And then Romans 15, 4. So everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Have you ever noticed how many times Paul talks about hope? These were not even all the references. At least three or four more in the book of Romans. Our hope is in God, Paul says, and he will never fail us no matter our circumstances. He's always promised to love us. He's always promised to be there for us, so count on it. And don't you know this is important because hope is what this world needs. We've already talked about that today. Many people are in despair. Many people are desperate. Many people are facing mountains of difficulty that are more than they can bear. Many have no hope because they have no relationship with God. They've never dared to believe. And so they have no relationship with God. How do, what kind of an anchor do they have? They have you know, all kinds of things that people try for hope. They, they try a lot of ridiculous things. They place their hope maybe in, in their physical uh, looks or their strength or maybe their intelligence. You know, however they are physically, what they are materially as God created them, they say, I'm going to put my hope in that. I'm going to be as strong as I can. I'm going to be as beautiful or handsome as I can be. I'm going to be as intelligent as I can be, and I'm going to make things happen. And so their hope is in themselves. Some people trust in their machines or in their armies or in their associations with other people. Some people trust in the vast amount of their resources, basically their wealth. You know, I'll just keep tapping into that, and I will get what I want. I will do what I think I need to do. The Bible says something about this in Psalms 27. It says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Very big difference. But if you don't have God, what do you hope in? Hope is what this world needs, but hope is hard to come by if you don't have God in your life. And if we didn't have God, we would be hopeless too. The psalmist David said that in Psalm 27. He says, I would have despaired unless... I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
David knew that he would have despaired of life. Think of all the trouble he went through. Think of Saul trying to hunt him down. Think of the battles that he faced. Think of his own family problems. He would have given up if he had not had God. But because he had God, he never gave up. Hope is what people are desperate for. They don't know where to turn. So let's give them hope. Let's give them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Why? Because our hope is found only in him. Our hope is secured through Jesus. He is our greatest reason to believe that God is for us. That God will never fail us. When we see Jesus, we see how God came to live among us. And it encourages us that God cared. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin. So we know he understands what our life is like. And we don't go to him and say, God, you don't understand, because he does. And then Jesus proved his love by carrying our sins to his cross. He died to set us free from sin and death and despair or hopelessness. Through his death, he brought hope to our lives. Jesus is God's proof that he loves us, that he will never forsake us. Why would he now turn his back on us after he had given his own son to buy us back? doesn't make any sense. So no matter what our circumstances at any given point, he will never stop loving us. And he will always keep working to achieve his plan for our lives. We dare not forget promises like Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I want you to know that that promise in Romans 8, 28 has sustained me and many other believers through the years. God has a plan, and we can trust him to work it out in our lives, and this gives us hope no matter what. So our peace, our hope, our sense of security, our sense of well-being, our ability to stay calm when the rest of the world is going to hell is a result of a relationship with God. Our peace and our hope do not depend on our circumstances. They are not a product of our good or bad fortune. They come directly from our hope in God through Jesus Christ. And no matter what our present circumstances may be, we know that God loves us and will never leave us. And so we can face all kinds of trials and illnesses and loneliness and financial setbacks and losses of many kinds and still be hopeful because we know God is with us at every turn. One day long ago, Jesus' disciples went down to cross the Sea of Galilee. They are often on that lake, often crossing it from one side to the other. And on that particular day, uh, Jesus was exhausted from his ministry, very difficult ministry. So he went to sleep in the back of the boat, stern of the boat. And everything was going fine until one of those storms brewed up. This happens in the Sea of Galilee quite often because it's kind of down in a bowl and things start whipping and it became a very fierce storm and was scaring the disciples to death. Frightening them out of their wits. Several, several of them were professional fishermen who were often on that lake, and they knew what a storm like that meant. It usually meant the people on the lake died. 
Blackaby wrote this in his devotion that I read this week. The disciples thought they were perishing in the storm. They were fishermen who knew to see what their condition was. They had allowed their circumstances to convince them that the truth was their imminent death. But they were wrong. Because truth was asleep in the back of the boat. <laughs> I really liked how he put that. Truth was asleep. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to know the truth about your circumstances, you don't look at the circumstances. You go to the truth. You do go to the source of truth, and Jesus will tell you what your circumstances are. And Jesus will change your perspective about your circumstances. So what did Jesus do when they said, Lord, what are you going to do? We're perishing here. We're about ready to die. Do something. Jesus stood up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, didn't he? He told everything, calm down, and the sea became calm again. It obeyed his order. Amazing story. Jesus has power over every storm. Power that he can exercise if it, if it suits his purpose to do so. Now, sometimes we have a storm and he doesn't calm it, but he still could. And our hope is in him because the truth is in him. The disciples were overwhelmed by this storm, but I can assure you, Jesus was not. Jesus didn't get up and say, oh my goodness, we're all going to die. <laughs> he knew the truth, and he could speak to that storm, and he could calm it immediately if that was his desire. I like a line from a Casting Crown song. It says this, when your eyes are on the storm, you wonder if God loves you still. But it says, when your eyes are on the cross you know he always has and always will. Your eyes are on the storm. You wonder if God loves you. But when you look at the cross, you know that he does. We can defeat despair through the power of Jesus Christ. We can be calm and carry on like the signs say. We can be at peace with ourselves and with God. And this helps us to be at peace in this troubled, tumultuous world. Now, if you're here today and you've got problems and you're facing something that's greater than you've ever faced in your life or maybe, you know, the greatest challenge that has come to your life, don't think I'm making light of your troubles. Don't think that I don't understand what you're going through. I don't want to make light of anyone's situation. I just want you to know that with God, you're going to get through this because God has a plan. God has a purpose for you and God will not leave you. Daring to believe there is always hope is real. It's practical. It's how we're supposed to live every day, whether we're on the mountaintop or down in the deepest valley. Will we dare to believe? That's the question. And if you're suffering here today, I want to close with a story of a woman whose name is Sarah Walton. She's a young mother. She writes about her circumstances. She got married, started having children. She had three children then discovered that she had Lyme's disease for years. And by having children, she passed along this disease to, disease to all three of her children. And so now all four of them and her five-member family have Lyme's disease. Do you know what Lyme's disease does? It's debilitating. And it, it can be really severe. It can really be difficult just to function through the day. And sometimes you're not even aware of what's going on. So all of them coming, one of the daughters coming, say, why did you do this to us? I mean, that, that's the kind of situation that she's in. And so 
she began asking God, what am I supposed to do? How do I handle this? I didn't do this on purpose, but here I am. This is what's happened to me. How can I handle this? What am I supposed to do in this? And God gave her insights. And she finds herself now encouraging other believers, no matter what their sad, desperate circumstances may be. She says, I've, I've gone down this path. This is what I've learned from God. This can help you. And these are the things that Sarah Walton has concluded about trusting God even in her painful situation. First of all, we grieve, but we grieve with hope. There's grief. You know, there's loss here. There's difficulty here, but always hope. Our pain, number two, has a purpose. There's something God is going to do through this and because it's part of his plan, part of his purpose for my life. And as I go through this, there's something that's going to happen as a result of this. Thirdly, she says, I know my suffering is going to end. This is only temporary. If it lasts my whole lifetime, that's still just a small drop of my life because I have eternity ahead of me. And finally, she says, I bring my pain to the cross. The pain I have, I bring it to the cross, and there I always find hope. And then Sarah quoted another preacher named John Piper who said this, Occasionally, that's your situation. You need to weep deeply over the life you hoped would be. Grieve the losses, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life you have. Dare to believe that there is always hope, no matter what your circumstances, because you know the truth. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each of us, uh, some in difficult circumstances today, some are not. But the time will come for each of our lives when we will be facing uh, challenges that would steer us towards hopelessness. Help us to never give up on you. Never think that we are alone because you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. And I pray for anyone here today, Lord, specifically that may be struggling, may be getting hammered right now by circumstances of their life. May can't, maybe they cannot see any way out of this. They don't see that anything's going to uh, brighten, anything's going to prove. I pray, Lord, that you would, would bless them and show them what others have learned, that you're always there for us and that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. And as we've put our faith in you, as we've dared to believe in you, Lord, that you will carry us through whatever we face. Lord, use us to your glory, whether we go through sunshine or rain, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley. Use our lives to glorify you. For even our pain has a purpose. And we can shine for you, even in the dark night. We pray that you would be upon everybody's heart today. Help us to put our faith, our hope, our trust in you, and find from you the peace and joy you intend for each of us to know. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Happy today to be able to sing with you about our Christ, Jesus. He is our hope. He is our anchor. He is our boast. That's what this song is about. So would you stand with us and sing?